going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 181. I'm still a little bit sick, so if I sound weird, that's that's all it is. Um, but we got you. Even on a Wednesday, we're here for you. And uh, it's spring training time, Kyle, so uh, we got some baseball for you. Yeah, there's been a lot of baseball for me, at least in this past week, whether it's watching college ball or watching some spring training games. And actually, I'll just let that go right into my opener because that's what my opener is about. It's a name that you have never heard before, and I don't know if you're ever here again. But I was watching University of San Diego take on U of A this past week, and Austin Smith had a game to remember on Saturday. He started off in the second inning. Hitting his first home run of the season, making a three to one game, trying to get USD back into the game. And then he had a sack fly in the sixth inning to make it three to two. And then he came up to the plate again in the bottom of the seventh, down three to two with the bases loaded, worked the count to a one two, got a hanging slider, demolished it lefty lefty, put it over the fence for a grand slam, put USD up three to six. And then in the eighth inning, when they were in a jam, they put him into pitch, struck out the guy there, and then struck out the side in the bottom of the or the top of the ninth to win the game for USD. So a complete game for Austin Smith, where he went two for three with a sack fly, six RBIs, two home runs, as well as one and a third innings on the mound with four strikeouts. So watching that game was pretty insane, seeing what he was doing. And that's a little uh, caveat of little college baseball, some of the crazy stats that you're going to see. Yeah, I did see one game uh, of college baseball this weekend. It was uh, a Smith of U of A, except it was Arkansas, Egan Smith, 15 Ks from the lefty. So mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. I, uh, for a second, thought that was where you're going. And then I saw Austin. I was like, okay, never mm-hmm. mind, different game. But uh, I'm actually going with some off-the-field news here. The Jets back in the news fucking again. But uh, anyways, it's it's Michael Hardman again, man. He went on this media tour over the past week, just bashing the Jets. And uh, Thomas Morstead actually came out today on Twitter. He tweets, be careful getting information from disgruntled former employees. Getting beat out by a rookie free agent after being guaranteed millions of dollars is tough to deal with. Entitlement is a killer. Uh, and then after that, Sauce had some tweets that he later deleted about Michael Hardman leaking the game plan to the Eagles, and we still beat him. So, um, I mean, at first I was like, yeah, take that, man. We got, you know, our captains showing up. Uh, Kenny Yaboa, practice squad tight end, also said something about the Georgia Eagles. And they, they all link together all the time, and it's BS. But um, also this is horrible because there was the hit piece on Robert Sala earlier this year, and like 18 of the 25 coaches all left. So it's just a disaster right now. So uh, that was the craziest thing I saw. Yeah. There's uh, definitely a lot of discourse that we see in the NFL in the months of February and March, whether it's draft or whether it's trash talk. And we get our feels like daily dose of Jets trash talk from Skyler today. Uh, moving on, I do want to give a slight little A's update and the stuff that's going on in spring training. Currently 2-2, two and two, just won our second straight game. Uh, this one was against the Giants in a game where Zach Galoff, Ryan Noda, and J.J. Bleday all homer. Yesterday, Brent Rooker and a couple other dudes homered as well, too. 
And so it just uh, it popped in my head where the A's have three, I would say, I would say bona fide, but like hitters that you know in the lineup that are going to produce. You have Noda, you have Geloff, and you have Rooker. And it kind of begs the question of how you want to structure those guys in your lineup. Whether I think it's a massive possibility is just Noda one, Geloff two, and then Rooker three. But if you find a third or a fourth guy to put in there, you can move Rooker to the fourth spot where he's obviously going to be the biggest power bat in your lineup. You have your best hitter hit two, Geloff, that we see most commonly in, in the MLB now at this point. And then you have your biggest on-base guy and Ryan Noda hitting first. But if you see a J.J. Blade or even a Daryl Hernandez or whoever it is that can produce and, say, hit 280 and drive in some runs – and you have a pretty legitimate top four at the top of your lineup, which is pretty interesting there. But I just wanted to hit on that a little bit before we get into the season. Just wheels are turning in my brain. And I I see a couple dudes that can fit into that lineup spot, but uh, nothing for sure yet. And we probably actually won't even get a for sure fourth guy in that lineup this year. Yeah, I always love the ace talk because they usually don't uh, get into the main conversation. Yeah, uh, so we got our own podcast, so we can talk about what we want. <laughs> Moving on, though, to where's your head at, unless Skyler has anything else he wants to mention. Hey, how about the Matt Olson uh, clone out there? That was pretty cool. <laughs> Drew Lugbauer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he had a walk-off home run. Actually, I guess it's our third win today. Uh, but when he had his walk-off home run a couple days ago, the uh, – all the comments are like, oh, the A's cloned Matt Olsen. This guy's going to be on the Braves again in two, three years. Ironically, he was on the Braves already. Uh, and I believe he holds the Mississippi Braves record for most home runs in a season or something like that with 30. So oh. power bat. He was the one dude that I've seen in our lineups these entire spring training that I didn't know the name of. And so, I mean – for me, that tells me something that this guy's brand new, of course, and came from another franchise. But Drew Lugbauer, welcome to the franchise, I guess. I think he's 27 or something already, though. So I don't know if he's going to have any MLB impact. Moving on, though, uh, spring training overreactions. We usually do this with the NFL preseason. Uh, I don't think we've done it with the NBA preseason. But we're, we're given three spring training overreactions for the first week of games What's your first spring training overreaction? All right. So my number one was a a big story on the first day. My number one spring training overreaction, Spencer Jones will be the next great Yankee. Most of us knew about his power coming from Vandy, but five for seven start with the furthest hit ball of spring so far. He's perfect for Yankee Stadium, 22 years old. I mean, that's your perfect replacement for you know, whatever the hell you were doing with your left-handed bats or even Giancarlo in the DH spot. Uh, there you go. He should be up this year at some point. Yeah, and I actually was going to put something about Spencer Jones in here. But I think there was a Yankee storyline that popped out a little bit better to me to put in here, and it was that Juan Soto is going to be the AL MVP this season. He hit an opposite field homer in his first game uh, as a Yankee in spring training, of course. And then he had a double, I believe, two days ago. They drove in a couple more runs, and I don't think he's played since. But on the spring, he's two for four with a homer and five RBIs. And you look at his swing and the way that he plays, 
it's just going to be a nightmare for teams to face him in Yankee Stadium, especially because he's a guy that you can you can go up to the plate and you know he's going to do something off. You've seen that in the World Series in 2019. There's been times uh, just in games, just watching him, regardless of you know if it's April or May or October, where you know he's going to do damage. And I think I've seen that in his eye every single time in spring in these spring training games. Out of anything to get up for those is, is huge, but Juan Soto is going to do some crazy stuff, especially if he can tap into a bit more aggressiveness. I think that sometimes he becomes a bit too passive. Uh, he knows how good he is, and I want him to, to really show how good he is this upcoming year in New York after, I would say, a couple underwhelming seasons from him, but seasons that weren't really as respected from fans as what his first few seasons were in, in Washington. What's your second overreaction, Skyler? Number two is going to be that the Atlanta Braves have done pretty much all they can to be right there with the Dodgers competing with them after they fleece another team in a big trade, getting Chris Sale. So far, he's looking really good, sitting 96. I believe it was yesterday. I don't know. My, mm-hmm. my calendar's a bit off. It's just been one long, really shitty week. But, um, hey, I, you know, he was looking a little thin, but I, if he could stay healthy, that's that's an easy fix for the starters they had to move on from. And uh, like I said, that's all you can do is, is hope everyone's healthy and, and try to take down the Dodgers, man. Yeah. Ironically, my number two overreaction also had to do with Chris Sale. And it was that Chris Sale will finish top three in NL Cy Young voting this year. He's not sneakily... Pitched over 100 innings last year. He made 20 starts. I know 2022, he only pitched like five innings. 2021, he only had like 50 and didn't pitch at all in 2020. But he had over 100 innings last year. I don't think a lot of people realize that, that he's he was pretty healthy last year. And yeah, I know 100 innings in the grand scheme of things isn't that healthy, but this is the best health that we've seen from Chris Sale in the last five years. And then he just went to the Braves, and then he just struck out four guys in two innings yesterday, whatever day it was. Below up to 97 was good to see from him. He looks to be back, and I, I wouldn't be shocked to say that he gets that top three and El Sayangbo this year. What do you like? Spring training reaction, Skyler. All right, we're going to the central for the last one. I think we're going to see a lot of Jackson Chirillo this year. So it may not be that bold of a prediction to say that the number two prospect will be good, but he's off to a ridiculous start in spring training, three or four games, still hitting 500. Uh, And, you know, in the, the era of service time manipulation, the five tool teenage outfielder hasn't been handed the key since Trout and Harper 14 years ago. I think the Brewers should do it. Call him up. I don't care if he's 19, just get him out there. He's obviously the best player that they have. Something with Chirio, I don't have him in my overreactions, but I do want to hit on that a little bit, was uh, Chirio strikes me as a guy who is kind of like a Bobby Witt, where he's going to come up in his first year and have maybe not the most complete season, but he's going to have a lot of flashes Mm -hmm. of really strong potential. And then in year two or year three is when you see him put it all together and he becomes a crazy 40-40 guy or whatever he his potential actually ends up being. I, I don't think we're going to see it consistently right away, so I don't think we'll 
you know, be saying he's going to win MVP first year, but he's going to be a player that is, should be the cornerstone for the Brewers over the next 10 to 15 years if they decide to spend some money on him. My third overreaction is that Will Smith will lead the NL and RBI. Looking at the lineup, Mookie, Shohei, Freeman, however you want to split those three up, it doesn't matter. They're all damn good. Who's going to be the fourth guy for the Dodgers? Who's going to hit fourth? Is it going to be Muncie? Is it going to be Will Smith? Uh, I'm banking on Will Smith being that guy. All the opportunities that those first three guys are going to give him, he's going to have a guy in runner scoring position like every other time he comes up to the plate. So even if he hits 250, you're still going to get a RBI damn near like every eight at-bats or whatever it is. And if you calculate that out, I mean, that's already like 80 or 90 RBIs plus the homers. Plus, when there's two guys on, whatever it is, Will Smith is going to be a guy that could have like 130, 140 RBIs easy this year if he gets into his bat. That we actually, we'll talk about that more in the future. Will Smith specifically, but he's got the ability to to drive in a lot of runs this year. I'll just say that. Yeah, that's a good call. Lots of protection. Exactly, lots of protection. Now, uh, a segment that I looking forward to, and I said that just got right before the episode started, uh, and I know he's probably excited for this one as well, too. Probably would be a bit more excited if he wasn't sick. Yeah. But we are looking at, if you were to start your franchise today, who would be your top five catchers? Who would be your top five first baseman, second baseman, third baseman, and shortstop? We'll probably do outfield and pitchers over the next couple of weeks, but with the season starting... I just want to talk baseball, man. I've been missing it so much. Now that we got it, I might be doing overkill, but it's fun. Uh, so we'll get into the catchers first. Do you have any honorable mentions that you want to talk about before we get into the five? Yeah, I feel like uh, both of the Contreras brothers are going to be holding their own for the next 10 years. Uh, Logan O'Hoppy, I know we've both seen him in person make some ridiculous plays before he got hurt. And, of course, Will Smith, you just mentioned. My two honorable mentions that I have, the first one is Yainer Diaz. Uh, sneaky year last year where he hit 280, and I think he put out over 20 home runs as well, too. Biggest thing for him is he has a walk rate of like 1.6% or something, so you're not going to see any bump in OBP. Therefore, you're not going to see the crazy OPS or anything like that or WRC+. Plus. But he did a lot of pop. He's good behind the plate. Uh, I like him a lot. And then the, my prospect honorable mention that I want to talk about is Sam Basayo. I don't know exactly how to say his last name, but catcher in the Orioles system. I know the catcher in Orioles system, like he's probably won't be playing catcher in the big leagues because they have the guy who's going to be number one at this mm-hmm. list for probably both me and Skyler. But this guy is a 60, 60 hit power grade left-handed bat. He's only 19. It was in double A last year. He has a ton of power. I don't know if he'll make the big league roster this year with just how it doesn't make a lot of financial sense to put him in the big league roster. So I think we'll wait until 2025 to see him in an Orioles uniform, but this guy's got ridiculous potential. And I think he could be a real legitimate bat in that lineup. So Basayo and Yano Diaz are my own. We'll mention Skyler. Who is your number five? Yeah. Number five is going to be Jonah Heim of the Rangers. Um, A young guy with uh, a great two-way potential. I mean, he's already doing it, right? Uh, Not really potential at this point, but, um, you know, probably a little less power than some of the other guys I have above him. That's why he's five. I uh, 
don't remember all of the the numbers I looked at yesterday, so I apologize. It may be a little thin. I was again really sick while I was putting this together, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'll try it to see if I can remember everything I I meant when I put these guys down. Number five for me is going to be where I put Cal Raleigh. Uh, he had 30 homers in 2023. Obviously, has a ton of power. Switch hitter, plays solid defense. Biggest, I would say, disadvantage or dislike for me about him is that he strikes out a ton at 28%. And you'll see me mention the strikeout rate and walk rate a ton. That's just something I base a lot of these guys off of. But uh, Raleigh's really... I wouldn't say he, he's going to be the most flashy guy, but he's going to be a guy out of nowhere. You say, oh, this guy snuck into 30 homers. This guy snuck into 35 homers. He, he's not going to hit higher than, say, 240 in any given season, I would say, just with the way that he swings and kind of how he decides to swing in certain spots. But Carl is a guy who – good defense, good power. At the catcher position, that's all you can really ask for. Number four. Yeah, number four, um, I mean, it's kind of a similar player to Cal Raleigh who misses my board just because I'm I'm going with the potential here of Francisco Alvarez of the Mets. This is another guy who could seriously do some damage, 30 homers every year, and uh, he's he's only getting started. I know most guys get figured out, but the great ones can get around it. And uh, another guy with great power, great glove, great arm. Yeah. Number four for me is going to be where I put William Contreras, the brother of Wilson, of course. Surprisingly, he led all catchers in war in 2023. He's great behind the plate as a receiver, thrower, whatever you blocker, whatever it is. He, he does it all. He's only 26 years old. Something I like about him, too, is that he's a young 26 in the way that he didn't catch a lot with the Braves and this was really his first full year as a big leaguer where he was catching the whole time so he's not a, a guy that has only oh, maybe two three years behind there and then he has to move to first base he can be back there for another five to ten years at least I would say biggest criticism with him was his K rate in these past three years he got it down like seven or eight percent this past year and I would expect improvement from him in 2024 as he kind of learns to hit in that lineup and I think we'll see him probably get pitched around more in the Brewers lineup this year depending on where Chirio is where Freelick is uh, Yelich a couple other guys as well too but Contreras is the full package and yeah I'd say it's pretty clear to me that he's better than his brother at this point which is crazy yeah yeah uh my number three again I'm going with the potential Gabriel Moreno of the Diamondbacks uh there's just something about this guy he's got the uh, factor in his first year to be that clutch in the playoffs, I'm I'm on board, man. Number three. Yeah, I'm a huge Gabby Moreno guy. Unfortunately, he didn't crack my list, but I definitely appreciate you putting him in yours. My number three guy was your number four guy, and that's Francisco Alvarez. Like you said, only 22 years old. He had 25 homers in his first big league season. Strikes out way too much, which is unfortunate at 26%, but – I think you'll see that fluctuate into time as he, you know, plays a second year, a third year, fourth year fully in the big leagues. Still super, super young. Like I said, 22 years old. I think he's got the ability to hit 40 homers from behind the plate while still having good defense, which is pretty ridiculous. His defense was underrated. 
Whereas you got to find them somewhere on your list if you're making this for catchers. And I find them at the three. Number two. Number two is going to be Sean Murphy. A little older than the other guys I mentioned. But again, this is like the the ultimate equation when you put in what happens when you have the great arm, the great glove, the great power, and you put him in his prime. That's Sean Murphy right now. We've seen him. Obviously, he's got a lot of protection in the Braves lineup, but even in Oakland was mashing balls. So this guy can do it anywhere, and especially in our expansion team hypothetical scenario. Yeah. My number two, I couldn't decide, and so I put two guys. Uh, Will Smith and Sean Murphy are, are the two. Will Smith specifically, he had his worst year of his career last year and still posted a 119 WRC+. plus. He's been steadily trimming down his K percent season by season. And he's really good defensively as well, too. I talked about him, of course, also with the RBI potential this year. But that's not why he's a number two guy. Sean Murphy, he's got the same make, but just into different categories where you're going to see more power from him, but you're going to see more swing and miss. You're going to see in certain aspects a better defender than Will Smith, but in certain aspects worse. I think that even out specifically is players pretty similar similarly oh my gosh i just pushed that word <laughs> but uh i put them both at two so number one yeah number one's adley rushman this guy was a superstar the moment he stepped on to a, a big league field and there's just not much we could say about him right now that uh we don't already know here absolute monster and uh, another guy who will be behind the plate uh, you know, barring any any Joe Mauer type injury that forces him over to first base, where your guy gets to step in in a couple years, but um, the, the, this is the ideal catcher, the ideal player, probably if you're starting a new franchise. Yeah, uh, Ali Rutschman is the number one guy, and I really don't think it's close at this point. Twenty five years old, last year twenty homers, one hundred twenty seven WRC plus. He already has over ten WAR in his first two seasons. He walks a ton, doesn't strike out. His discipline is just like his eye is not that of a guy who would be in his third MLB season. He is just so professional behind the plate. And I think there's a case to be like, oh, well, if you have a bat that good, why not put him at first base and you get an extra five years in his career? But he's so damn good behind the plate. And it's not even in the ways that you can see statistically, but how he handles the pitching staff, the confidence that, the pitchers got in the past few years and just some of the stories that we've heard coming out of the Orioles camp these past the you know, three, four years since he's been there of how professional and how good he is behind the plate and keep making guys feel comfortable and trusting their stuff that you kind of have to have him behind the plate, whether him and Basayo or Basayo, whatever it is, split time in the future behind the plate and one place per space half the time. Cause you're going to want both their bats on lineup. But then again, you got all these other prospects and Connor Norby, Kobe Mayo, all these other dudes. So I don't want, I, don't, I won't get into that, but just something crazy to think about within the next few years is how much talent the Orioles have in their farm system and now on their big league roster. Moving over to first base. Any honorable mentions together? I got a couple. Uh, Freddie Freeman, probably the best in the game right now. Just uh, I'm going a little younger with my strategy. And some other guys who have all the potential in the world, Nolan Jones, Spencer Torkelson, will be rooting for him. The four guys I have in my honorable mentions start with Vinny Pasquantino, was hurt last year, 
not exactly sure of his production this year. Hasn't played a ton of big league games either, but I think he's ridiculous. Uh, Pete Alonso has a ton of pop, but besides that, doesn't really have much. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, MVP a couple years ago, but now is like 36 years old. So looking at the future, I don't think I could put him in the top five. And then Tristan Cassis is the last one that I have as well, too. I'm a huge fan of him. Had a crazy second half. Another one of those dudes that's just like, absurdly confident at the plate. Uh, I like him a ton. Could maybe be in this top five, but I left him just out. Who is your number five? Yeah, my number five is going to be Pete Alonzo of the Mets here, uh, possibly going somewhere else too after that. But uh, a guy who could hit 50 homers at any time is someone I'd be interested in. And he's he's still pretty young too. You remember his, you know, his rookie year was the last 50 homer rookie and uh and that's ridiculous i don't think he's slowing down yet yeah my number five is yandy diaz a guy that just you look at the names and shouldn't be on this list but you look at the stats and look how he played last year and you say that he's kind of got to be on this list he's super pure bat he hit 330 with a 164 wrc plus in 2023 he had the highest slug of his career i think is over 100 points higher than what it's ever been in his career he's already 31 so that kind of down ticks him a little bit so you're not going to you know see him playing first base for another 10 years most likely but the bat the discipline the swing it all tracks and i think he's gonna be super consistent over these next three to four years as a Ray or whatever they do with him. It's going to move up or whatever. So I like Yandy. Number four. Number four, I got the youngster, Nolan Chanel angels. Uh, another guy we've talked about it a lot. If you have the eye of a veteran at, at a young age, that bodes well for you over 400 on base and about what? 20 games last season, 25 and uh, a little bit more, I think, but yeah, he was up for a bit. Yeah, the FAU Owl, man. It's uh, And again, no protection at all in the Angels lineup when those guys were hurt and he was mashing. So uh, I like what I see. Yeah, Shane Owell's interesting where he, uh, I would say that FAU, like you said, went, I want to say pick 11 in the draft this past year and then came up right away like the Angels always do. And it was kind of like to me, I mean, you look at the program, the guy came from, and sure he put up great numbers, but FAU's a bit different than the MLB. And then he came up and just continued that same discipline, same ability to get on base. The power numbers were down a little bit, but for a guy who's just coming up, I think you can understand what he was coming from in some of those spots and kind of this tough spot that the Angels put him in. But my number four is going to be Vladdy. Uh, had a really rough year last year. Had a 1.0 war. His home run numbers were down. His average was down. WRC, WRC plus was down. But it was just weird because he hit the ball harder than he has before. He hit the ball higher than he has before. And yet he saw a statistical regression. And I don't understand it. I'm banking on him coming back and having a big year in 2024 and beyond. Number three. Yeah, my number three is Vinny P, Kansas City. I um, like you said, it's it's possible that some of these guys don't fully recover from the massive injuries that they've had. But I'm putting all of my eggs in the Vinny Pascantino basket here. Um, just an absolute monster. He's he's hungry. I like 
the way that he, he interacts with the fans too. That's part of it, I guess that, uh, he definitely has superstar potential and uh-huh. it's, that's just more than, than some of the other guys that, uh, I consider for the list. Yeah. Number three for me is Freddie Freeman. He's the best pure hitter at the position. He had a 7.9 war last year, which led all first baseman. He's a 162 or 161 guy where he's going to be out there every damn day pretty much. Uh, Found his way into 23 stolen bases last year. He's a very smart base runner. I wouldn't say he's particularly fast, but he, he knows when to steal a base. He knows the timing of it. He knows when to you know, get an extra race going first and third and that, and that stuff as well too has power. We're not going to see, you know, 45 to 50 home runs, but still a, a guy who's probably going to have 30 homers, damn near 50 doubles or whatever it is. Uh, he's just super, super complete as a hitter. And I'd say he's the best pure first base hitter in the league. So Freddie's at three. Number two. I got Vladdy Jr. at two. Um, like you said, a down year, but this is a guy who's got all the potential in the world as much as anybody that we're going to talk about today. And, um, I, I trust him, man. He's got ridiculous power. If he could just strike out a little bit less, but I guess that, you know, first base nowadays, uh, that's okay. Mm. I, I really think he's going to end up in the hall of fame someday. So, so he's on my list. Number two. My number two is a guy who's new to the first base position, and it's Bryce Harper. Uh, he provides a 30-20 capability as well, too, just like Freddie Freeman. He played very average defense at first base last year, which obviously isn't anything crazy or not much to talk about, but we know what we're getting from the bat. He's a guy who has the energy. He has leadership in the clubhouse, and if you're starting a franchise – this guy's got to be near the top of your list. And I think with how much he's played already at this, what, 30, if that, at this point, he, he's still going to play for another probably eight to 10 years. He, he said that he wants to be a Philly for a long, long time. And so, I mean, Bryce Harper is my number two. Number one. Yeah, Matty O, Matt Olson. This is the perfect modern era first baseman. He absolutely mashes. It's three true outcomes, and he's only getting better with age, too. It's it's kind of crazy. Uh, I know we talked about some youngsters with great eyes. It's it's kind of a natural progression for Matt Olson and uh, another guy who should continue to be at the top of, of every offensive category at the end of the year. Yeah. Number one is Matt Olson for me as well, too. He's another 162 guy. He hit 54 homers last year. So there's going to be one dude that challenges Will Smith for that RBI deal. It's going to be this guy. He had 139 of them last year, walked 14.4% of the time, which is ridiculously high. Struck out 23.2, which is high, but who cares? He hit 54 bombs. Uh, his defense has regressed a little bit, which is pretty interesting. I know one of his biggest things with the A's watching him all the time was that he was just such a good scooper and he, he'd save a lot of Matt Chapman's bad throws. Uh, and so maybe Austin Riley just doesn't make as many crazy throws. And so he doesn't have to deal with that anymore. And that's why his you know, defensive run saved is down and some of the other advanced metrics, but you, you pay for the bat 
and that bat's going to be there for another eight to ten years at least. And there's no reason why he wouldn't have, you know, 40 or 50 home run season every single year if he stays healthy for the next eight to ten because it's just there. Like, there, there, there is no reason not. Moving on to second base, we had unanimous first baseman at the top and unanimous catcher at the top. We'll see if we have any unanimous second baseman at the top as well, too. But any honorable mentions that you got for the second base position? Yeah, a couple of uh, young mashers, Zach Galoff, Christopher Morrell. Uh, who knows if they'll end up at second base. It's kind of a weird position, power hitters, but uh, those guys should have great years. Yeah. My four honorable mentions that I have, first off, is Nico Horner. Plays great defense, uh, steals a ton of bags, good contact hitter. Tyrell Estrada is my second honorable mention. Pretty consistent game all throughout. Uh, it's a little high for a second baseman, so I didn't find my list. Uh, Eduardo, or Edward, uh, Julian, my bad, uh, very complete game was all two strikeout rate was over 30% though. And I can't have a guy like that on my list. Also doesn't steal any bags at the second base position, which is kind of weird, but has one of the better bats out of anybody in this position. Uh, and then Matt McLean, another super, super complete guy, which I think I'll be saying for pretty much every single dude on this list. Cause if you're in a top five second baseman, that means you do everything. Well, uh, you're five tool guy and Matt McLean kind of embodies all those categories, but isn't, Top five in really anything, I would say. So just falls off the list there. Who's your number five second baseman, Skyler? So my number five, I actually did go with Matt McClain. Um, my heart wanted Zach Aloff, but my eyes tell me Matt McClain is going to be a 300 hitter. And um, again, that Cincinnati lineup is is kind of perfect for him. No one's really expecting it, I think. And uh, other than, you know, the guys who are looking at the top five second basements for the future, but... Complete player, five tools, man. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of them. Second base. Yeah. My number five guy is going to be Bryson Stotts. I look at him as a, an old school bat where he found his contact first before turning into the 15 home runs in 2023. Usually we see the exact opposite in the MLB nowadays where you're always focused on hitting the ball at the ballpark. And then once you get comfortable with doing that and, and find your swing there, then you kind of add more contact. Bryson Stutz and the other way around, it's working out really well for him. Probably could be a 20 homer guy at his peak, uh, whether that's 2024 or five years down the road, who knows. But some of the best defense out of any second baseman, probably the best defender out of any of my top five guys. Uh, only reason why he's not higher is as he have a ceiling uh, of a bat higher than say like 110 WRC plus last year. He's at 101 last year. He was below average or the year before that he was below average. Uh, but I don't see the bat being anything crazy to write home about. So Bryson Stock comes in at five for me. Number four. I'm taking a risk here at number four with Davis Schneider of Toronto. Uh, 35 games last year, uh, over 400 on base percentage. I know it, it's very risky, but it's a pretty thin pool of players who could potentially be these five tool guys at second base. And um, he's going to get an opportunity. So we'll, we'll see how he does. Yeah, that's a pick, Skyler. If this were to ever happen in real life and we yeah. were the GMs, that will either 
get you in history or get you fired. So David Schneider as the pool there is pretty interesting. And I'm for it. I'm for it. I think he was very impressive last year with the Jays. I went slightly bold with my number four. Maybe it's a little biased, but I put Zach Gale up as my number four second baseman. He's got real 30-30 potential, and you don't see that from a lot of guys at the second base position. His 2.9 war in 69 games in 2023 would have been on a 6.8 war pace, which would have been highest out of any second baseman in the MLB. His strikeout rate is high, but it's common for a lot of young players. He's truly five tools. And he's super fun to watch it all, too. So Zach Galoff is my number four. Who's your number four? Luis Arias of Miami. Um, I'm pretty sure he's going to be up there for another batting title. Um, just a guy who rakes. We don't see a lot of guys like Luis Arias. And uh, he would fit into any lineup, no matter what. Yeah. yeah I like Luis Arias a ton. Number three for me, I went older here. With Jose Altuve as my number three guy, he had a 4.0 war in only 90 games in 2023. 8. 154 WRC plus was ridiculous. I guess only question would be longevity. He's been in the league so long. He's had a couple injuries over his past few years. How does it, you know, go over the next five years and... Seeing that they signed him to a five-year deal in the offseason kind of shows me that he's got probably about three and a half more good years. And I, I'd be willing to say that I, I could bet on Jose Altuve for over a lot of guys. So give me Altuve. Number two. So number two is going to be my older guy submission here, Marcus Simeon. I just feel like his game will translate into his late 30s better than most of these guys. He – Hits for insane contact, and he plays ridiculous defense as a former shortstop. Yeah. Number two for me is going to be where I put Ozzy Albies. Power. He had 33 homers last year. The offensive output is something that could slightly be related to how the Braves lineup is orchestrated and how many good bats that they have in there that you can't pitch around him and some of these other guys in their lineups are going to get pitched around, a.k.a. Galoff. Uh, and maybe some other dudes as well too, but he's he's very sound as an offensive guy. Hits on both sides of the plate. Hit two eighty. Uh, doesn't strike out much. Doesn't walk at you know crazy little rate either. Uh, his defense is solid. I, I wouldn't say solid actually. It's, it's slightly below, below average. But he's only twenty seven. He's going to be around for another ten years, I'd say. Maybe 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 less. I don't know, but. I like Albies a ton, and his pop really provides a lot for me. So he's at my number two. Number one. I do have Albies at the top spot. He's just a little younger, a little stronger, a little more power, a little quicker. And uh, and that's why I went with him over Simeon and Arias. Simeon is my number one second baseman. It hurts me to have two former A's as the top players at their position for first base and second base, but uh, 162 guy, 100%. This is the embodiment of, of somebody who is 162. I don't know how many times he's done it at this rate, but I know he did it a few times with the A's, and he did it last year with the Rangers. He excels in every aspect of his game, and he reminds me of the Paul George of the MLB, where he's just, there is no flaws in, in his game. He 
walks a ton. He doesn't strike out at a crazy rate. He's got a ton of power, plays good defense, good speed. Like, what is there not to like about Marcus Semien? He had a 6.3 war last year, led all second basemen. And I think he's got to be your, your, your number one guy. I can understand an Albies or a younger dude for just the sake of, oh, they're going to be here for 15 years. Semien maybe has six to seven left, if that, but the best second baseman in the league and, and I think I'd pick him number one as well too if I was building for a franchise in the future sorry Marcus moving on to third base together honorable mentions what do you got yeah there's some interesting ones here Colt Keith Detroit I kept thinking about uh, I you know want to see him hit in the bigs before he makes the list but he's already extended so good for him junior caminario see like we've been talking about him for years and now he's finally getting that boost on pipeline and manny machado who most of us predict him to get into the hall which means he should age gracefully so yeah gracefully is a good way to put it yeah uh my three guys that i have as my honorable mentions versus royce lewis the potential is there Will we see him ever play 160 games in his career is the question. If he does, then he should be on this list. But as of right now, I got no clue. Uh, Manny Machado is also on my honorable mentions. He, uh, I, We know exactly what we're getting from Manny Machado at this point. We're going to get about 30 homers. We're going to get a guy that probably hits 260 to 280. We're going to get solid defense. And now we're getting a pretty good person as well, too, with Manny Machado than what he was in his Baltimore days. Yeah. But. Last guy on my honorable mentions is Josh Jung. We kept him off. It's a damn near 30% strikeout rate, uh, especially when you're not walking at all at 5.8%. That's pretty alarming, but he's pretty good all around besides that. Uh, and I think he's got a guy, he's a guy that could be a 40 homer dude at some point in his career. Number five. I do have Royce Lewis making the list. Uh, he was too exciting to leave him off. And uh, my four and five are really risky picks, but when healthy, will you know complete my team because these guys are absolute spark plugs. My number five is Rafi Devers of the Boston Red Sox. He had a disappointing twenty twenty three, and I think when we look at the career of Rafael Devers, we expected a lot more from him last year. The past two seasons prior. To this past season, he had over 4.0 WAR and over 130 WRC plus. Last year, 3.0 or 3.1 WAR and 124 WRC plus. So downtick on numbers when we expected him to really burst into his prime last season and be maybe a five or six WAR guy. However, I mean, there's no reason to say that he's not going to be that guy. Still, he has the ridiculous exit low numbers. Uh, he walked more than he has ever in his past walked more last year than he has ever in his entire career. Uh, strikeout numbers kind of slowly went down as well, too. Will he be a guy that hits 50 homers and has a like AL MVP type season in his career? I don't think so now at this point, but he's always going to be a guy that should be a top 15 in the MVP vote every single season. Number four. Number four, I'm going with my guy, Key Brian Hayes of the Pirates. Um, Again, it's another really risky move here, but if he can stay healthy, 
he's on pace to have uh, you know just as many defensive accolades as uh, any of the best have. Scott Rowland, Adrian Beltre, even Brooks Robinson, and um, it's just ridiculous what he's done defensively. He's also a decent contact hitter, so if he can stay in the lineup, maybe he can get that rolling as well. Yeah, I uh, I like the Brian Hayes pick from you. That's uh, we we value things a little bit differently. I think I think I value a little bit more offense. You mm-hmm. value the defense a bit higher, which is interesting because there is obviously no right way to do this. Yeah. We're all just giving our opinions. Uh, my opinion is a little bold, I guess, here for the four spot because I'm going with a guy who's only had about 30 MLB at bats, and that's Junior Caminero. You put him in your honorable mentions. I've been high on this dude for a long, long time, and he's only 20 years old. The 60 grade hit, the 70 grade power is ridiculous. He had 31 homers in the minors last year, came up at the end of 2023, hit a homer. Didn't have the greatest time, but he only had, what, like 30 at-bats. That's not an adequate sample size, I would say. He's got the ability to do some ridiculous things with the bat. Uh, With a lot of these prospects, like I said, with uh, Jackson Chirillo, when we were talking about him earlier, he's going to probably come up and not have the greatest first season. But I can see him by the time he's 23, 24 years old being a guy that gives you 35 to 40 homers every year and still hits at a 290 to 300 clip uh, and, and could be a guy that has a WRC plus over 145, 150, which is ridiculous. So I like Caminero a ton. Number three. Number three, I'm going with the guy who Caminero, uh, you know, hopes to to be near with the similar numbers you just talked about. That's Austin Riley of the Braves. Uh, Here's a guy who has been hitting that 30 homers every single year now, and it seems like he's not even hit his stride yet, not even hit his full potential. So we could see a scenario where Austin Riley, another Braves guy, is is a 40 homer a year guy. Yeah, I I like that. Yeah. Where Caminero at his best, I think, could be a little bit better than Austin Riley, but we don't know with yeah. with Caminaria, and we know with Austin Riley, and that's why Austin Riley is also my number three guy. Uh, had the highest four out of any third baseman last year at 5.2. He's going to find his way into 40 homer, 45 homer seasons. I put that on here. His defense is mid, but it doesn't hurt him because he rakes so much, and he's only 26 years old, and I believe he's going to be a brave for the next like 10 or 11 seasons or something crazy like that. Alex Ornopolopolis, whatever, how you say his name. You're ridiculous as a GM because uh, he probably will never be anywhere else besides Atlanta. Number two. Good old J-Ram, man. Probably uh, the top guy at the spot uh, for this season. A switch hitter, great defense, great power, great contact. Just a great guy. You know, I, I want J-Ram on my team, man. Number two. You putting J-Ram on my team makes me think we're the same guy at one because uh, J-Ram's my number two as well. I, I like to say, how can you not like this guy? Yeah. He's super fun to watch. He's just, uh, you wouldn't expect him to be good just looking at him, but he's ridiculous. 30-30 uh, ability, and he only strikes out 10.6% of the time. While walking, also ten point six percent of the time, that's a statistic that you just don't see from a guy that has thirty homer potential. You 
he's so fun to watch play, dude. And I think he, he gets shit on a little bit because he's not going to hit the 450-foot home run or, you know, some crazy nuke because he doesn't have that insane amount of power. But he gets him over the wall, man. And whether it goes 450 or 365, it, it counts the same as long as it goes over the wall. He does a great job at doing that. So JRM is my number two. And he also plays in Cleveland, which is not an easy spot to hit the ball out of the ballpark. So there's that. Number one. Here's a guy who does all of that, but his homers do go 450. He's a youngster. It's Gunnar Henderson of Baltimore. Uh, there's many people in that organization who think this kid's going to be better than Jackson Holiday. He's already hit 30 homers. I mean, the potential is fucking ridiculous with this guy, Gunnar Henderson. Out of, out of all the people that we rank today, I don't know if I put him or Atlee higher. There's one other dude in here as well, too. Uh, that is within that top three that I don't know exactly how it stacks up, but he's one of my top three Gunnar Henderson, ridiculous potential. He's only 22. He hit 28 homers as a 21 year old. His strikeout rate doesn't worry me, even though it's high because he's young, young guys strike out all the time. We're going to see it get better as we go year by year. Good defense. He's going to be at third base for the first time in his career. He played shortstop or he, he played third base quite a bit last year, but Fully third base last year after uh, Jackson Holiday will probably be coming in and playing shortstop, of course. But the ability to hit 40 homers, the ability to hit 300 most likely at some point in his career, the ability to play great defense. There is no feeling for this guy. It's it's as high as it can possibly be. So Gunnar Henderson is my number one third baseman. Moving on to the shortstop and probably the most fun position for this because there's just so much talent at the position. Yeah. Who are your honorable mentions, Skyler? I have two. Uh, I could probably put about 15, but I just want to mention Frankie Lindor and Bo Bichette. They're going to be mashing for the next 10 years, but they don't make my list. Okay. My uh, honorable mentions, I got four of them. Uh, First of which, Trey Turner, Captain America. He could be on there too. WBC doesn't play the greatest defense, but obviously has the super attractive bat and speed, uh, which just lands just off of this list for me. Uh, CJ Abrams is a guy that I wanted to mention as well, too. Ton, ton of speed, good defense. Found his way into 18 homers last year. Had sneaky exit velo numbers as well, too. Could be a guy that finds his way into 30-30 as he gets older. I believe he's only 22 or 23 as well, too. Uh, Anthony Volpe is also an honorable mention for me. His numbers last year, I know were not great. 84 WRC plus, but he's going to be a guy who I think breaks out this year, just like a Bobby Witt did last year. To that extent, probably not, but I think it will happen. Uh, And then I had to mention him, uh, even though he's nowhere close to a top five guy. I just love, I love watching him play in Ezekiel Tovar. Uh, I know he's going to be a Coors merchant. I know he didn't post a good WSC plus last year. He didn't really have the best offensive numbers in the second half, but he plays amazing defense. And if he just finds a way to hit, he's got the ability to be another guy who is 30, 30 and plays gold glove level defense as well too. Number five. 
Yeah, uh, Ezekiel Tovar helped me a lot in my Colorado rebuild last night, but uh, he doesn't make the list, unfortunately. My number five is going to be Ellie De La Cruz, believe it or not, Cincinnati superstar. Who knows if he sticks at shortstop, but uh, it's all about the five tools and all of these shortstops have it. So it, there's no point of saying it again, but uh, just ridiculous power, speed, fielding, uh, superstar potential. Just stay healthy, man. He's very fun to watch. Yeah. My number five is Frankie Lindor. Uh, 6.0 war last year, 30-30 season. You pretty much know exactly what you're going to get from this guy now at this point. You're going to get 20 to 30 homers, 20 to 30 stolen bases. You're going to get a guy who's great for your brand. You're going to get a guy who plays good defense. He does it all. Uh, Frankie Lindor, Mr. Smile, got to be on my list. He, and he finds a way at the five spot for me. Number four, I do have Anthony Volpe of the Yankees. Uh, I have a feeling he's going to get a little bit of Jeter treatment here where he's going to have all the protection around him, uh, possibly being the leadoff hitter of the future. And another guy with ridiculous speed. You know, we talk about these 30-30 guys. He's right up there with them all. Yeah. Number four for me, EDLC, Ellie De La Cruz. Very flashy, 2023, 98 games, but not good. He was actually a below average hitter, 84 WRC plus, a 33.7% K rate is extremely alarming, but he's also super, super young and still had 13 homers and 35 stolen bases in those 98 games. Will we see him tie it all together and become the best player in baseball? I don't know, but he has the potential to. And the swing and miss, I know I said for a lot of other guys, it didn't alarm me, but for how he swings, it kind of does alarm me a bit with him. Uh, just in his, you know, all or nothing type swings, I think we'll find a way or find a happy happy medium over the next few years where he realizes that he doesn't really need to swing that hard to hit the ball out of the ballpark because he's just so damn strong. So EDLC finds his way at number four for me, but has the potential to be like the best player in baseball. Number three, number three Corey Seager of the Rangers. This guy's got ice in his veins. Um, Talk about, you know, the captain of the team that you can trust. This guy has two World Series MVPs, just a ridiculous career, and he's not even close to being done yet. He missed a bunch of games and was still still technically qualified for all of these, these statistics. It's ridiculous. Let's see if he can, you know, keep the over 300 average while mashing next year. All right, I guess it would be this year, right? We're starting pretty soon. Uh, yeah. Corey Seager, uh, it's going to suck to keep facing him. For the next however many years in our division, but it's not like the A's are going anywhere. Um, metaphorically, physically, they're going somewhere. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, number three is Corey Seager for me as well too. He posted the highest WAR out of any shortstop this past year, and he only played 119 games. Uh, I guess the biggest question for him would be: Can he stay healthy for 162 consistently over the next you know five to ten years? I'm not too sure. But when he's on the field, his bat is top three, top three in the game. Shohei, Aaron Judge, level good. It's ridiculous. I mean, 
watching the guy hit in the playoffs, it was like you just knew that he was going to do something every single time he came to the plate. Uh, defense, I guess uh, I could touch on that. He's sneaky, decent defender as well, too. So you have the best bat at the position and above average defense. Being 29 years old, he, this is his prime. This is the best he's going to be, most likely. I bet on it for another seven to eight years if he can stay healthy. So Corey Seager, my number three. Number two. Here's a guy who I compared to Corey Seager when he was drafted. Uh, this is what he should be striving for. He has all the tools to do it. It's Jackson Holiday of the Orioles. Um, just ridiculous contact that's going to keep him around for a very long time. Uh, again, I, I don't want to, not that he's listening to us, but you know, not that he needs any more pressure, but uh, th- this is his, his capability is to be, you know, obviously Adley's the captain of the team, but the guy who plays every single game who you can trust to drive in that big run, that's Jackson Holiday. Yeah. Jackson Holiday's my number two as well, too. The, the second prospect on my list, I had Caminero uh, for third baseman, and then I had to put Jackson Holiday on this list for sure. He's the purest bat. In my opinion, Wander Franco, and I know Wander Franco is a weird subject now, so we won't get into that. But yeah, just the prospect of Franco, you you knew the bat there was legit even before he came up, and I think that the exact same thing with Jackson Holiday. He's got sneaky pop, five tool player. He's only twenty years old. He reminds me a ton, I, and I don't want to say it a ton, but he's he's just like. Juan Franco, he's literally the exact same player, but could be better. Uh, obviously not a switch hitter, mm. and obviously doesn't like 14-year-old girls, because I think he's <laughs> married, I want to yeah. say already. Yeah. Uh, but Jackson Holiday is ridiculous. He's going to be so fun to watch. Hopefully he gets a starting shortstop spot this year. Uh, and you got to line up with Atlee, Gunner. And this dude, it's it's ridiculous in Birdland, and I know why their fans are pumped up uh, for what they got. Yeah, Dad, if you're listening, this is Matt Holiday's son, number one prospect in baseball, twenty year old shortstop. He's going to get a shot this year. Yep, and then the number one <laughs> prospect in the 2025 draft class apparently is Ethan Holiday. So Damn. get ready for him in a, a year and a half as well too. Yeah, and then the number one shortstop, perhaps. The highest, I don't know, I want to say praise. I, I don't know the exact word for it, but praise could work. Perhaps the highest praise being the highest graded shortstop in the league. Let's go up here. Yeah, it's Bobby Witt Jr., uh, another son of a player. It seems to be a theme here with, with most of the sports. Uh, not all the time. Obviously, Tony Gwynn Jr. didn't hit 400, but um, <laughs> that's the story for another day. Bobby Wood Jr. is ridiculous. It's it's like, you know, we talk about Matt Olson being the uh, the perfect first baseman for the next era of baseball. Bobby Wood is that for the shortstop. He hits the ball ridiculously hard, as hard as anyone else, and he's also got ridiculous speed. It's the the potential is unmatched here. We could see him put up Ronald Acuña Jr. numbers from the shortstop spot at some point. This is Probably the closest, and again, I, I hate to do it, but this is probably the closest to a Mike Trout that we've seen. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Witt is the other guy that fits into that top three that I was talking about a, a few minutes ago with Atlee and Gunnar Henderson. 
Bobby Witt's probably the highest out of all of them. This guy is ridiculous. Uh, I'll get into stats a little bit. Uh, 5.7 war in 2023. He had 30 homers, 49 stolen bases. He is debatably the best defensive shortstop in the league as well, too. So it's not just offense and speed. Like He's the full package of the full package. Uh my, I guess, biggest question with him will be how does he handle being the biggest bat in the lineup? And I know he handled it amazingly in the second half last year, but going into a full season here, it could be a bit different where he um, – I mean, it's not crazy. It's 17.4, but it only walks 5.8% of the time. And as a guy that's this good in a Kansas City Royals lineup where there's not a ton of protection – He's going to get pushed around a ton. Uh, so I, I wouldn't expect we see a 45 homer season or anything like that in the near, near future, just because I don't think he'll get pitched to enough for that to happen. But let's hope he has that uh, discipline next step this year and the year after that, because he's got to know that he's going to pitched around and people don't want to face him. But when you look at the potential, if you got if you were to put this guy in Jackson Holiday's spot, you flip the two. Oh man! Wow! Like it, <laughs> it would be scary if this guy was the shortstop of the Orioles. Uh, but he's not, so we don't have to worry about that. Uh, and he's not going anywhere, considering he got a thirteen-year deal with the Royals too. So Bobby Witt's debatably, debatably the highest potential out of any player in the MLB. He's like Ronald Acuna. But plays great defense. Like what? That, that shouldn't exist. Yeah. But like you said, has the ability to be like that Mike Trout, best player in the league for eight seasons and not really doubted at all. Anyway. Yeah. That does it for our if you were to start your franchise today picks for the top five or top or five different positions in the MLB, our top five. Uh, and that takes us now to the second half. This guy was talking NFL tag and cut edibles. Yeah. So the uh, the free agency show is most likely going to be next week, but <clears throat> I thought I'd I'd share some some thoughts here. Uh, I have a couple different categories of players that you know had the option to be tagged. So we'll start off with guys who were tagged. So far, it's just T. Higgins of the Notables. Uh, guys who will not be tagged, all of the running backs, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and Legereus Sneed, we found out today, he won't be tagged. He's either going to get extended or get traded. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, a couple guys expected to be tagged before that March 5th tag date, Brian Burns, the great edge rusher of, of Carolina, and Antoine Winfield Jr., Tampa Bay. You can't let him walk away. And three more guys working on an extension as we speak. That's Michael Pittman Jr., great receiver of the Colts. Josh Allen, the the lineman of Jacksonville, former first-round pick also. And Justin Matabuke, Baltimore's D lineman. Um, I'm now realizing now I forgot to put all the players who got cut, but I can tell you right now, uh, Lakin Tomlinson and uh, and Jordan Whitehead of the Jets were released. So those guys MBS. are coming back. Yeah, MBS today. That'd be interesting. You know, if uh, some of those top receivers uh, don't end up hitting the open market like we expect, then uh, he'll be a guy who goes somewhere. 
Yeah. yeah. All right. And refresh my memory. You only have yeah. one tag per year, right? You can't tag multiple guys. I think so. Okay. okay. So. Anyways, moving on to the MLB moves. Uh, it's always a weird once we get back from spring training, uh, how the offseason moves go once you realize, oh, this guy maybe isn't as good as what you first thought once he get into the camp and had a bad offseason. And so we see a flurry of small moves. So we'll start off with the moves that we saw on the 20th where Ahmed Rosario went to the Tampa Bay Rays and on a one-year deal. We saw on the 22nd, Tim Anderson sign a one-year deal with the Miami Marlins. We saw Austin Nola go to Kansas City. Gio Urshela go to Detroit. We saw Mike Ford and Tony Kemp go to Cincinnati. We saw Garrett Cooper go to the Cubs. We saw Manuel Margot uh, and Rain at Doncon go to – that's a weird name uh, – yeah. go to the Twins for Noah Miller, who was a first-round pick a couple years ago, actually. We saw Kike Hernandez kind of just take that Manuel Margot spot within 20 minutes after that trade happened. Uh, Matt Barnes signed a, a deal with the Nationals. Brandon Crawford signed a deal with the Cardinals. Julio Tejeron signed a deal with the Orioles. Colton Wong signed a deal with the Orioles. And that's kind of those four smaller moves. Uh, and then we got a couple of contract signings as well, too. Uh, missing one. Uh, we saw uh, Cody Bellinger, of course, on his big year, or not his big deal, but his three-year $80 million deal with an opt-out after each one there. So not a, I would say, a win for the Boris camp, but a Get paid. And if he has a good year, he can opt out and get paid a big time in this next season after that. Uh, and then there's one more move that I missed. I completely forgot where it is now. Oh, Mitch Keller signing a five-year mm-hmm. deal, opening day starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates, not the Steelers. Uh, will be in Pittsburgh through the 2028 season if he is not traded. And that's kind of where we're at right now. A week and two into spring training games. Moving on to layup spool predictions. Bad week. Bad week. Bad week for the uh, all of our picks last week. Uh, uh, we won't even get into them. We, we could just skip those. Yeah. Uh, but for this week, I have the Magic getting a W on Thursday. They play at home versus the Jazz. I'm not sure what the line is quite yet, but I assume it's Five probably minus, or the actual money line is probably going to be like minus 200, 230 maybe. Uh, I think they get that up there. Uh, a similar strategy here. I need to see some green. So that same night I'm going with the Thunder to trounce on, on San Antonio. Um, just take the money line. If you're doing a parlay, throw them in there. It'll be green. Yeah. Uh, Goal prediction, I have the Doves winning in the Garden tomorrow uh, against the Knicks. Dubs team has been playing a lot better recently. I'm pretty sure they're not going to be the favorite in the Garden. Uh, And if they are, then it's going to be super, super close. So the Dubs get a dub in the Garden. 
All right. Uh, so Saturday night, there's going to be a crazy college basketball schedule. I was going to talk about it around halftime, but my throat really hurts. So I was like, let me limit my talking today. But anyways, one of those games, that's number four, Tennessee going into Alabama, who's number 14. And the number four volunteers are heavy underdogs since Alabama has such great offense. I'm rolling with the road dogs, Tennessee. Alabama just gave up 117 points to Kentucky. So uh, give me Tennessee, who's on a, a little bit of a win streak here. And, you know, they're number four in the nation for a reason. They play really good defense. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. That's a new for episode 181. Thank you for doing this, Skyler, even though I know you are battling it out with the strep throat. Yeah. Uh, you ain't got anything else, and I'll let you go back to sleep or do what you got to do. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate the uh, the schedule maneuvering, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely nice. So we could do it today. Yesterday, I was not talking this good. I was more like this. So uh, it's it's all good, man. Good to talk baseball with you always. Not unfortunate. It's uh, it would have been cool to have a leap day episode with leap day being tomorrow at the rare February 29th. Uh, but that really wouldn't have worked at all unless we did live combine reaction, which. I guess it could have been interesting, but regardless, we will see you guys in six days from now for episode 182, probably NFL free agency, probably the top five outfielders, maybe probably top 10 outfielders just because that gets a little tricky. Same thing for pitchers as well, too. Um, and we will see you guys. Yeah. Shout out to all the, uh, the 24-year-old's turning, what, five or six tomorrow? Happy birthday. I, yeah. I One of those yeah. in, in the elementary school class were like, what do you mean you're two? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I've had two birthdays. <laughs> All right, see you next no week. Line. Later.